Hello and welcome to the Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. We are thrilled to have two guests on the podcast today, both uh, affiliated with Empire Mock Trial. We've got Justin Matarisi and Viran Sakara, uh, who both uh, work for Empire Mock Trial and help run their amazing competitions. Justin uh, Matarisi is a graduate of NYU. He competed with NYU Mock Trial. He was a two-term president of NYU Mock Trial. Uh, he's a two-time Reynoldson winner as a coach at NYU, and he's now the executive director of Empire Mock Trial. And Viran Wirasakara is the director of competition orientations at Empire Mock Trial, works closely with the case committee to uh, work with that fact pattern, responsible for training tab officers and running uh, their tab room on the ground. And he's also the developer of Process, which is their electronic tabulation system that Empire uses for its competitions. We are thrilled to have Justin and Viran on the podcast to discuss Empire Mock Trial and really just everything having to do with their experience in Mock Trial. So Justin, Viran, thank you both so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us tonight. Thanks for having us. So Justin, let's start with you. We start our guest interviews really the same way with everyone. And it's to ask about your origin story. So you obviously have a very interesting uh, career in mock trial in the time that you've been working with it, but I'm just kind of curious, how did it start for you? Sure. Um, I was a lost sophomore, a 14 year old at a Tannenville high school in the, the South shore of Staten Island, uh, New York, where I, where I grew up. <laughs> and I, I saw a sign one day on on the, it was a flyer um, on on the wall saying, "Are, are you interested in, in acting or law or public speaking?" Um, my dad was a lawyer at the time. Uh, he tried to uh, dissuade me from going to law school, but <laughs> I was I was excited by the opportunity to get involved with a with a with an after school club. I had I had done hockey. Um, I had competed in hockey for. Uh, a few years of uh, club hockey, uh, but that was not popular in, in New York City, really wasn't like a sanctioned sport. So I was looking for something else, um, another outlet. I had joined theater and then a mock trial appealed to me. So I went to I went to that meeting and uh, kind of the rest is history. I competed in high school mock trial for three years, uh, then went on to compete at NYU for a few years. Um, and then I started Empire when I was in college um, with with a, with a few friends that were that were on my team and with the help of my father and, and kind of the rest is history. That's interesting. I couldn't help but notice as I was I was doing prep and I was looking at the AMTA website, I saw that that your you got had your two instances working with NYU as a Reynoldson winner and the first one I didn't know this was with Justin Bernstein as well as um, Vikram Kumar. Um, that's that's quite a coaching lineup that had and that was the 2010 year when NYU won the national championship. That had to be an interesting uh experience getting to sort of work with that group oh a hundred percent i mean justin and vic were were two mentors when when i first joined the mock trial team justin uh justin bernstein was my was my first coach and even after he left and went from nyu to irvine he stayed involved uh, coaching nyu from afar um and and he was he was crucial to my development as 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 a mocker I mean, I can say that I, I really, there isn't a coach that I had learned more from in terms of how to communicate verbally. And even I think of, of today when I write a, a lot of what I learned, a lot of that foundational stuff comes from, from Justin. And then Vic was, was my first president um, at the NYU mock trial team. So he really modeled um, what a, 
what a president does, what how a president should conduct themselves. Uh, he always conducted himself um, with with absolute class. So, yeah, and and then it was a pleasure to graduate and then get get the opportunity to coach with with them both. So it was uh, it was a really really special year that ended in Memphis, and um, it's something I'll never forget. Uh, that team I competed with almost everyone on that team. Actually, I believe everyone on that team the year the year prior. So getting the chance to play, you know, to have a small role in in that championship season was was something really really special and 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 I'll never forget. That's really cool. And yeah, J- Justin's been on a couple of times. He's a friend of the podcast, so that's that's really cool to hear and sort of an interesting insight. Um, Varon, let's turn to you. So so I think you have a very interesting background in mock trial. So can you tell our listeners how it started for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my my origin story is kind of uh, kind of strange in that I, I sort of stumbled onto mock trial uh, in in my second last year of of high school um, here in here in Sydney, Australia. Uh, I kind of went into went to it to, into it thinking it was a debate activity that was just like sort of high school debating without really knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, but essentially, one thing led to another. Um, I competed with my school uh, for for the year. We ended up winning uh, our state competition, and then that got us an invite to Empire, which uh, we were kind of really excited about as these sort of young adults keen to kind of go go traveling to the to the United States. Uh, so we we got invited. We accepted the invite to Empire San Francisco uh, back in in 2015. Uh, we went over, uh, met Justin for the first time, uh, had him had him coach us a little bit while we were prepping for. Uh, prepping for the case and uh, ended up doing reasonably well at that competition. I think we came fourth or something um, through through no fault of our own. I should say it was it was a it was complete luck. They were very talented. I'm sorry to interrupt Veron, but I watched some of their trials. <laughs> they were incredibly talented. <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Um, so I, I joined Empire the next year as an associate, working mainly on uh, on IT projects. So uh, things like their their website and their registration system, just sort of shadowing the people who are kind of there already. Um, I then went over to Atlanta as a blue shirt in, uh, in 2016, uh, blue shirt being the empire terminology for like uh, a tournament liaison, like a courtroom staff person who just assists, uh, assists in the competition. Um, I worked there um, in, in 2016, uh, did a little bit of prep with them uh, for empire New York in 2016, and then started to get involved with the, the sort of the rules and tabulation side of things uh, in 2017. Um, along with that, I was also uh, working with with Empire and um, and a nonprofit in Hong Kong to host a partner program, um, which I guess was advantageous both for Empire and for me, given I'm much closer to Hong Kong than uh, than Justin is over in over in East Coast United States. So that was that was quite good. Uh, in 2017, I uh, I took the role of uh, tabulation director for Empire at the three programs uh, for that year. Um, and that was also the first year that we debuted uh, what we now know as Process, being digital tab system that we uh, that we use now at Empire. Since then, um, my role has kind of continued to grow with the organization. Um, I'm now the director of competition operations, um, as, as Ben mentioned, uh, which is the role that basically handles all of that, uh, all the rules and tabulation uh, side of things for for Empire. Um, I frequently go back and and uh, help out at the programs on the ground as much as I can. Um, it's a long flight, but, but definitely worth it. Um, and, and yeah, that's what, that's what kind of brought me here. That's, that's really interesting. And and my understanding is that while you're doing all of that as well, you're still studying and finishing up your degree at the university of Sydney. Is that right? 
That is right. Yeah, sorry, I completely forgot that. Um, I am in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the final year of my of my commerce degree uh, with majors in data science, economics, and banking. Uh, so I'll be finishing up uh, in a couple of semesters' time. Just a small detail. <laughs> triple, triple, triple majoring at the University of Sydney. Just yeah, minor, yeah, no. minor thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we've obviously talked a lot about Empire, but Justin, I want to come back to you and, and get, you know, what did Empire really start as? How did you think of this idea and how did you grow it to what it is today? Sure. I I was a a college student who, you know, like like all college mockers who are super passionate about the activity. Um, I was just, ex- I was appreciative of my college mock trial experience. And I was also at the same time volunteering with my high school mock trial program since I went to high school in Staten Island and I went to college in Manhattan. So I would take the express bus from Manhattan to Staten Island. It was about uh, an hour, uh, just one way. So two hours round trip to actually coach my, my high school mock trial team. And I thought, given, you know, I think about my background and I really didn't travel much when I was younger. I was on an, I went on an airplane once, once in my, really in my entire life before college. The idea of being able to fly to different parts of the country to go to an awesome city, you know, a large metropolitan city like LA, and then a really neat city like, like Hamilton, Ohio, right? That's like smaller and different. And I never would have heard of that city if it wasn't for college mock trial. And I thought about what that invitational experience meant to me and how in many ways it was transformative. I had met, I became close with so many people through the AMTA invitational season. Um, and those are relationships that I valued so much. And I thought to myself, my goodness, if I'm in college and these experiences are so you know, impactful, what would this mean for my high school students if there was a high school invitational circuit? Like what if we what if we started some sort of fall invitational? Because at the time, each state had their own mock trial program. The fall invitationals are pretty rare. I'm, I'm excited to see now that they've popped up. Different colleges host them. Yale hosts an awesome uh, invitational. I know there's there's one in Pennsylvania as well. Justin's host uh, hosted the beach ball in the past. So there are some great programs popping up in the fall now. But really, at the time, there I was looking for it. Like, there weren't fall invitationals. So my thought was, you know, what what can we do to host a college invitational in the fall for high school students, one that has a more complex case, um, more complex rules, but also, and I think this has stayed with us from the start to the present day, it also really facilitates and encourages young people to meet each other. And in drawing on my experience in college mock trial, I don't know what it was. NYU was very competitive, right? Like we were competitive. We wanted to win invitationals. But, you know, I'll never forget, I said as a goal when I was president that I wanted us to win a competition and win the spirit of AMTA in the same competition. That was my goal. And that's just how I'm wired. I'm not sure why I I really felt that way or like what maybe it was my upbringing. Um, But I remember it was was the the U Classic, actually. And I think it was January of 2009 when we accomplished that goal, when we won won the spirit of AMTA and the tournament in the same competition. And I was so proud of our team. 
but it was with that mindset that I started Empire. So I think from day one, that's the type of atmosphere that we tried to create in our competitions. That even though we were bringing in high school mock trial teams that obviously took mock trials seriously, of course they did, right? They wouldn't be spending money and time to come to an invitational, sometimes traveling across the country and eventually across the world to come to an invitational if they didn't care about doing well. But to us, we wanted to we wanted to emphasize from day one that mock trial, yes, it is a competition, but there's so much more that you can get out of it. And I, and I say it at, I say it at like every closing ceremony, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm worried that people are going to think this is too cliche. But like, I have lots of trophies that I won in mock trial, both you know for, from a team perspective, right? I mean, I have I still have plenty of trophies. What happens with the trophy, right? Like a trophy becomes sort of like, you know, it goes, maybe it goes in your desk or it goes in a box, right? And like, you kind of forget about it. But what happens to like the friend that you made, like when you were in, when you were in college, right? Like, like that, that is what sticks with you. Like that, that person, when you're practicing in the legal profession, you can call that person, right? Or you're visiting a city and you can say, hey, like, where should I go out for, for dinner tonight? You know, with my, with my, with my wife, right? I mean, those connections are really what, what matters most. So that's that's what happened. I mean, we started started this uh, started the program in 2007. Um, my dad was really involved. It was, it was very much a father son project uh, for the first few years. He, my dad was very well known with his um, his his mustache and his uh, his very New York persona. He was sort of a celebrity at the competitions, running food service. There's there's no one that's been to an early Empire competition that hasn't. That hasn't encountered Greg. You know, he's very, he's quite the personality. Um, so yeah, my father was really involved, and then my, you know, my my friends are really involved as well. Michael Griffin, David John Hummel, you know, uh, Vic Kumar came and judged in those early years. And over the years, I think of Amanda Tuminelli, Cindy Giordano, just everyone who I did NYU mock trial with, um, the Booking family, Sarah Booking, Ann and Dan, her parents. You know, everybody kind of worked together in those early years uh, to make this competition possible um, and then grow over time. And it, I'm sorry, I recognize this is a very long, this is a long <laughs> response. I, I apologize. But really then over time, it, it it grew almost accidentally. There was more interest. Uh, 12 teams became 18 teams, became 30 teams, became, okay, well, there's, there's a lot of demand. Do we want to maybe do this on the West Coast? And I was interning at the DA's office, so in San Francisco after my 1L year of law school. So we started this program on the West Coast, and then it just it just grew over time into into what it was what it is today, almost almost organically, not really intentionally. So you know, I never thought I would be the executive director of of an organization that runs mock trial programs. It's kind of crazy to even say it out loud. So you know, I mean, it was never it was something I did because I was passionate about mock trial passionate about that mission of creating a high quality mock trial program for high school students, my high school students, but, you know, students from throughout the, the U.S. Um, and bringing people together. I think that my parents will be very glad to hear that it is possible to make a career out of mock trial with the amount of time I've spent. <laughs> uh, Justin, I, I got to tell you a, a funny story that, uh, so when, when I graduated from Haverford, I, I kind of was feeling this loss from mock trial and I reached out to my high school that I'd gone to Galloway and I, uh, I was kind of talking about, you know, Hey, 
can I do anything to work with you guys to help? And the coach at the time, a guy named Matt Viron, who's great, fantastic. He was like, you know, I have all these kids that would love to do something over the summer. Why don't you do a camp with them? And we can just kind of, you know, workshop stuff with you while you're around for the summer. And I, I was like, okay, cool. I like this. And we're talking about it. And I was like, wait, I was like, Matt, have, have you ever thought about Empire? Like, do you know what it is? And he was like, no, like, I don't know what that is. And I showed him what you guys did. And, and you know, that, that you know, we ended up competing with you guys because they're like, wow, this is, this is so cool. Like we had no idea that this even existed. And I think that that, that realization that he had and that so many people had, I think is when, when they, it occurs to them, wait, there's this other option outside of just what uh, my state does. And I think that Empire, as you said, kind of does fill that void so well, but it's something that they really enjoyed. We're coming again this year in whatever format it's going to be. But uh, I just remember it was this great moment of like, whoa, like there's this really cool organization and, and the kids loved it. I mean, I think that one of the things that they all talked about was, as you said, all the people from around the world that they got to meet because um, it's such a it's such a wide reaching tournament. I mean, they're, these are kids from Georgia and, you know, if you're competing just within Georgia versus Empire Atlanta, which has people coming from all over. So it really is such a special tournament that you guys host. And I wanted to take a second to thank you both for doing it because um, I really think it is such a great, great resource for high school kids. It's great to hear that, Drew. Um, and it's been it was it was great meeting your team last year. I, I actually just saw today that they're registered again. So we're, yeah, yeah. we're, we're excited to have them back. Yeah. And just to, to echo that briefly and, and move into another question. It's, it's so funny. The, the mock trial community is why we're all talking because Drew and I met, we didn't know each other and we didn't overlap as competitors. Drew and I met when I was just starting, I was in law school and Drew was a competitor at Haverford and both Haverford and UMBC were, you know, starting to become confident. You know, some of those early days we were like straddling the border of competency. Yeah, I, was, I was about to say competent may be a reach for us. <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, some of the early trials, it was borderline, but we got there and it, it, we became friends because of that community and because mm -hmm. of the opportunity to um, just meet people of like mind, meet people who care about the same thing that you care about. And I think it's so cool as someone it's like what you were saying about wanting to uh win tournaments and win the spirit of amto or the spirit of the competition i i say that same thing to my students all the time like how cool would that be if you're the best and the nicest all at the same time because mm -hmm. it shows you can you know one is not a, a compromise for the other so i think that's just i don't know i just i couldn't agree more with that approach to this activity i I love I love hearing that, um, Ben. It's 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 something that we continue to try to emphasize because in some ways the type of school that comes to Empire and this this isn't all the time. It's not it's not fair to generalize because there are some some wonderfully kind and and compassionate schools um, that come to Empire. Um, don't get me wrong, but I think sometimes sometimes there is this misconception. And I get it. Like I was a teenager at once and it's, it's hard when you're a teenager and you want to do well and you want to quote unquote win. It's, it's hard to be able to have the perspective and the clarity to take a step back and say, well, like, why am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like, why am I participating in this program? 
And yes, winning, of course, is fun and it feels good. Um, but but this community and, and the amount that you can learn from connecting with other people and just having a conversation with someone from a different background. You know what I mean? I mean, I think that's that's a really that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's that's what we we try to emphasize, because I think everything else, at least at our level of mock trial schools are really well coached and they're very well prepared. So we think about this, what, what, what is our role in this as, as, a, as a competition organizer? Well, our role, of course, is to provide a high quality venue and a high quality case and high quality judges. We get that, right? But what, you know, what, what can we do to ensure that this experience is, is truly meaningful, that we're truly educating, connecting, and empowering? And that's really our mission. It's, it's empowering young people to be compassionate and capable citizens, you know, and, and that, and that, that, that's really important to us, the, the compassionate and, and the capable piece. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that, that you share a similar uh, view, Ben, Andrew. Well, Justin, one of the things that I was also hoping you could maybe explain for us a little more is about the general structure behind Empire. I mean, it's this organization that, that runs mock trial tournaments, but obviously you guys are a lot more than that. So could you just take a second to kind of explain to our listeners uh, what exactly is the, the structure behind Empire and what exactly is it that you guys do? Sure. Uh, we were an education nonprofit um, that as of right now, we coordinate three mock trial programs for high school students um, in a typical year. And of course, COVID has changed everything for, for, for everyone. In a typical year, we the year starts in usually in about January, wherein we bring on someone to be the case committee chair. We hire someone to be the case committee chair. Um, the last two years, it's been Colin Tierney, um, a former AMTA All-American and, and Top Gun winner. Uh, Colin is, is truly unbelievable. Uh, he's, he's incredible at what he does. And then in the first part of the year, we work on developing the case. So Colin will work with the Empire leadership team to identify a topic that is that we believe is both not just legally complex because I think it's not that it's easy, but there's a lot that you can, there are so many different issues that you can select that are legally complex, but also socially relevant. So we try to identify a topic that we want our students to learn more about. And that was like a big shift in our philosophy a few years ago. Um, and about 2016 was the first time we started writing our own cases from scratch. And we just thought there was so much, untapped potential, untapped education, educational potential in a, in a mock trial case, right? The, our students are living and breathing this case for months. What if we tried to select a social issue that we thought was impactful? And so not only are the students challenge, challenging themselves intellectually by trying to navigate through the legal problem, but we're also exposing them to say, an issue like mass incarceration, um, or, um, you know, last year we had a case that focused on sort of environmental injustice. And this year, our case focuses on the three strikes laws. And we plan to have speakers at our, but both of our, at all of our mock trial competitions to kind of talk about that. Um, so that, that was a big shift in philosophy. And we spent a lot of the first part of the year, really the first third of the year, drafting that case, putting the case committee together. Case committee typically is comprised of alums of the organization, um, 
and, and it's great. It's a great opportunity for former students, for former volunteer attorneys that come together and to, to work on our case file. So that's a really awesome experience. We have our, she deserves a shout out, our director of branding, who is just constantly working with us behind the scenes, Stephanie. She's also an Empire grad. She's also an Amto alum. Um, and she handles all of our logo development. She creates all the exhibits in our case file from scratch. So I want to be responsive to your question. I'm keep. It's funny the mock the the, the mocker in me is always like thinking about the non-responsive objection to your <laughs> to your to your question. But this is all this is all relevant to the the, the first. This is with the first third to have. We'll, we'll give you a little leeway. Ah, thank, thank you, Your Honor. Thank you, Your Honor. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> God, we're the worst, aren't we? Ah, uh, we really are. <laughs> we're such a we're such a special breed. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> so yeah, that 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 is what we do for the first probably you know third to a half of the year, while also handling all of the logistics that go into running these mock trial programs. These programs are mock trial competitions. Meet large scale events. I mean, Drew's, Drew's been, so he can attest, you know, the, the, the opening ceremony you know, would require, I think, in like a traditional event planning context, like an event planner in and of itself, you know, and the closing ceremony, you know, as well. So we are, we put on our event planning hats and it's, it's okay. Well, now we're working with the hotel. We're coordinating room blocks. We are communicating with our high schools, making sure they're comfortable. We're also hosting webinars. We hosted, I believe, six webinars last year on a variety of different topics. We had an evidence webinar. We had a, we had a webinar on, on the case. Um, we have special webinars for our international students. We had a, an objections webinar for our international students. Um, and then when we get to the fall, it's, it's running the competitions themselves. Um, oh, and of course, I'm sorry, there's I skipped the volunteer recruitment, which which is incredibly important and so time consuming. So we not only need our judges and our judges are so important, we strive to have three judges per round, um, but also our, our blue shirts. I mean, our blue shirts in some ways are the heart and soul of our competition. Uh, every courtroom typically has a blue shirt. They are Empire graduates, typically, um, who volunteer their time to help manage courtrooms. So they implement all of our procedures. They help the, the students fill out ballots. They are running our social events. Um, they are working our shop, our merchandise counter. Um, they are greeting students at check-in at the hotel. I mean, our blue without, without our blue shirts, we would not be able to run our competitions. And I think they also help set that that energy and that culture that we were talking about earlier. Like, why do students feel comfortable talking to one another? Why are students excited to come to Empire? The city has a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. But we have blue shirts who are the face of the organization that are typically greeting students as they come into our hotel and as they come into the courthouse to really set the tone for um, for the weekend. So then we turn the page to the fall and we're running the competitions themselves. We're, we're handling all the logistics on the ground. I mean, everything from moving supplies from our storage areas in New York. That's my grandma's basement. Um, from our storage areas to the, uh, the courthouse, um, you know, to Varan as the, the chief, uh, tab officer handling all things tab related. So, um, that, that is, that is a traditional season. Uh, we've also partnered with a, with an organization in Hong Kong, as Varan alluded to uh, before, uh, to run a local competition in Hong Kong. And that was really enjoyable. Um, it was, it was not hosted this year. 
uh, because of the protests there, um, as well as the, the, I believe, the coronavirus. So, um, but we've we've done that for I think two out of the last three years now, and that's also been um, a really great experience. So, that is um, what the organization does. That's that's interesting. I mean, there's just so much. You know, I mean, I, I I've never done anything with Empire before, so there's just so much to learn about that you all do, and just covering so much territory and just, and just providing such an awesome experience. And you mentioned, uh, Varan specifically at the end. So we've been talking to Justin for a little bit. So Varan, I want to, I want to talk to you for a minute and I definitely want to get to process in a second because I'm <laughs> super excited to talk to you about that. But first, so you obviously, I mean, you said that you competed locally, uh, in Sydney and then you, you know, by virtue of that competition, you got to come to empire. So what was it like, uh, coming to compete? doing mock trial in the US. And then just generally tell us about your experience with Empire and how that led you to, you know, become so involved in the organization such that you now are a director of operations there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I guess the for, for some context, the way mock trial works in, uh, in Australia, and at least in my state, uh, each state kind of has its own thing. And the states don't really talk to each other. So it's just kind of your state competition and then that's that's sort of it. There's no national that you then go to. Uh, but in my state, it's it's very I would say rigid compared to uh, to what you have in in America. So uh, the cases themselves tend to only be like four or five pages long. Uh, you get a different case for each round, and each round is kind of once every two weeks. So it's much more sort of drawn out, um, a much more drawn out competition um, at the state level. And even in those very short cases, um, there is a lot of focus on, I guess, simulating the dynamics of a courtroom, but within a very tight constraint. So, for example, the affidavits themselves tend to only be about 20 lines long, and witnesses are supposed to basically recite them verbatim on the stand, um, which basically means that you can preempt every objection that's going to come up because the, the, the answers are all just there in front of you. Um, and, and even opening and closing statements tend to be a lot more, a lot more formal. Um, and there's a lot more emphasis on just, do you know the law of the case rather than how do you present that? Um, and, and the reason I bring that up is, um, I think it's quite an important piece to, to understand when we kind of were thinking about going to Empire. We had absolutely no idea about how mock trial works in the US. Um, and we had no idea of, the length and complexity of empire cases and just cases in general. Um, so, so slightly embarrassingly, we didn't really look at the empire case um, until maybe a couple of weeks before the competition. And, and even at that sort of two week mark or so, we only just sort of flicked through the case briefly. Um, and then I remember we, we got on the plane to go to San Francisco um, and it was like a 14 hour flight or something. And we, uh, we decided that, that then would be a good time to actually start putting together witness outlines for direct examinations, cross pockets, all that kind of thing. Um, and then we all kind of collectively very quietly freaked out on this plane about the length and complexity of this empire case. Um, and I just, I remember, I mean, 14 hours is a, is a nice, a nice block of time. So if there's one flight you had to pick to be on to prep a case, I guess that's, that's preferable, but I just remember we, we got to San Francisco and we were like, we weren't panicking, but we were, we were approaching that level of concern about our, our preparedness. Um, and I remember we roped in Justin very quickly uh, to basically just teach us everything about 
how to do a mock trial round in the United States. Um, and unfortunately, Justin was incredibly helpful and and uh, and, and weathered a, a barrage of questions that we just kept throwing at him. We kept pulling him out of out of social interactions and meetings and things just to get his advice. Um, so so we were very grateful to him for his his help. So it really was a, a quantum leap from what we had learned and practiced in Australia, um, and it was. It was a very strange experience in our first trial, actually, because I think even though we had uh, we had done some prep with Justin and had some of an understanding of how mock trial works, there was still we still really weren't prepared for the theatrics and the kind of manner aspect of it. So the way that opening statements are delivered, you know, are more like kind of rhetorical speeches rather than just sort of statements of, of fact. Those kinds of quirks were things that we had to sort of learn as we went, um, which is, uh, which is actually quite, quite a, um, quite, quite a good experience because it just, it just meant that we were open to so many new experiences. Um, and those experiences just kept on evolving as we went, um, because we really didn't know what we were doing. So, um, I guess that was, that's the, the, the transition story from Australia to the United States system. Um, not not the cleanest of transitions, and we definitely made sure that the the, the team from my school that went to Empire the following year uh, did not experience that same level of unpreparedness. So we we, we worked very closely with them. Um, as far as Empire itself goes, um, I think one of the things that that captivated me was the emphasis on community. I remember we had the opening ceremony at um, I think it was the San Francisco City Hall or something like that, and just like the the atmosphere in that room at the time and just like the, the the level of interaction and friendliness that was just radiating from fellow competitors from uh from blue shirts from staff from justin um it was just it, it really took me and it was something that i think uh that, that opened my eyes to the fact that this experience was more than just getting four trials done we kind of came into this um as uh, as a team that wanted to get, obviously get mock trial experience, but also given, you know, we were flying from the other side of the world, we wanted to uh, make this sort of a, a proper experience of travel and stuff like that. Um, and and the atmosphere that Empire created, um, both in the opening, but then even just thereafter, like our interactions with people in the hallways between trials, the closing ceremony vibes, uh, the student dance and the parties and things like that, um, really kind of... Uh, really captured me and 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 drew, and drew me to clue to empire's mission of of providing experiences that both educate but also kind of bring people together for these sorts of experiences um and, and i remember after after my first empire as a competitor i was definitely keen to to stay connected with the organization in some capacity um i didn't really know what that would look like given i, I live basically on the other side of the world so um, I thought the associate position was a good um, a good way into at least see what happens behind the scenes and get an understanding of of how the organization works. Um, and then, fortunately, uh, the following year, I had the opportunity to to volunteer in Atlanta, which was a really a really awesome uh, way to I guess get into that community of staff and, and that community of volunteers um, uh, to, to to a greater the level than I had been already. Um, and then I remember it was it was in the Atlanta tab room um, that I kind of first got exposure to this this sort of 
world of tabulation and number crunching. Um, I'm a very mathematically oriented person uh, and sort of a bit of a computer nerd to begin with anyway. So when I saw all of this happening, I was, I was like, this looks pretty cool. Um, you know, what, what are they doing? What are these cards that they're laying out on the table? Um, you know, what are these ballots that they're adding up? Um, I want to learn more about it. And I kind of just got to reading uh, reading some like, documents that Empire had on tabulation. Um, I think I came across the Amptotab manual as well and uh, and kind of brushed up a little bit on my um, on my tabulation knowledge with the hope that I could go to an empire the following year and be a bit more heavily involved on the tabulation front. Um, so then uh, when 2017 rolled around, uh, that knowledge combined with the, the process project uh, meant that I was able to kind of uh, to, to take that position as as one of the tab, tab gurus and tab nerds at Empire um, and I guess just further grow from there into the role of uh, looking after the Empire case and keeping an eye on, on rule changes and, and things like that. You mentioned it at the end there. So uh, I want to talk about process for just a second. Sure. And I, 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 so I am not a math person by any stretch of the imagination. I think AMTA's sort of tab system is about as mathematical as I get on a regular basis. Mm. Um, but I do love just trying to understand tabulation intricacies and the various iterations and how, you know, one small thing can affect everything else and all of those things. So can you break down for us just what led to that process and um, kind of tell us what process is and what it does specifically for Empire Tournaments? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if I can begin with process's origin story, um, I guess there were, there are two, there were two things that, that led to its creation. Um, the first was the, the Empire Guest Witness program. Um, so for your listeners that haven't been to an Empire program before, uh, the Guest Witness program is basically uh, a system where a student from one team testifies in a trial that is not but it's not, it's not as part of their own team. So they meet their directing attorney 20 minutes before the trial, they have a short amount of preparation time, and then they testify um, in another trial that is not their own. Um, and the reason that's relevant for tabulation purposes is because we then have to take the scores that they earned in that trial um, and essentially port it back to their home team's ballot. So there's a little bit of, of complexity there with regards to how ballots get tabulated when you have guest witnesses involved. Uh, so Empire was already kind of looking at some um, some aids and some tabulation solutions that could help make that that porting process a bit easier. The other thing I think that that piqued my interest in in this concept of electronic tab is when I first went into that Atlanta tab room that I mentioned before. I just remember seeing the two tab directors huddled over huddled over their ballots with like pencils and calculators and these cards on the table. And like my first thought was surely, surely somebody has written a program or something to do this automatically. Like we've got, you know, these incredibly accomplished professionals, these incredibly experienced mock trial administrators. Why are they adding up these numbers with, with a calculator basically? Um, so so th- that combination of, of uh, factors led me to start thinking about ways that we could improve the operation. Um, and that was what, uh, what, I guess, led to the system that we now know as Process. Uh, So Process is a uh, digital electronic competition management system. Um, It's been in development since uh, since around the beginning of 2017. We first debuted it at um, Empire Atlanta in 2017. And it's gone through a number of iterations. Um, 
from from then to now. It started mainly as an a sort of an aid to help tab directors in their existing workflow of adding up ballots manually and and computing cards. So uh, at the first few competitions where the where the process was demonstrated, we ran it alongside a full set of cards. We double checked the computer's math with our own math when adding up the ballots. And we did all the swap resolving and the impermissibles resolving uh, both by hand, but also then checking it against the computer to see if it agreed. Uh, so it was really a proof of concept uh, at that point of whether uh, a, a computer could handle some of the tasks that um, that a human would do in a tab room with sort of AMTA or AMTA style pairing of, you know, cards, um, high, high pairing, snake pattern pairing, all that kind of thing. Um, and that was, that was process's first iteration. Um, and then in the subsequent versions, we started to experiment a little more with the idea of completely replacing the kind of manual calculation that, um, that currently existed. So rather than having, um, process be a check on the cards, our hope was that it could then just replace the cards and, you know, we'd enter numbers into the system. The system would calculate pairings um, and we would be able to just use its out- the, the computer's output to, to take trials and, and, and go to the next round. Uh, the 2018 version was a little bit more human involved than, um, than it is right now, mainly because we still wanted to make sure that the computer was doing things properly. So, uh, for example, it gave us pairings for the round but didn't automatically resolve impermissibles for us because we wanted to make sure that, uh, that it was doing the right calculations for resolving those impermissibles. And then in uh, in 2019, uh, when we decided to uh, to kind of continue ramping up processes involvement in the tab room, uh, that was when we started to look at Empire's actual methods of tabulation and, and thinking about how to how to improve them and how to tweak them in a way that uh, made it more kind of more computer friendly. So. An example that I, I kind of like to use here is that we um, we reinvented the uh, the pairing method uh, to follow a similar structure to what the sort of AMTA system is, but with a different process for resolving impermissibles that is more uh, that is geared more to a computer doing those things. So rather than having those sort of swap methods that's that's enumerated in the tab manual, we have an algorithm that does impermissible resolution um, essentially automatically. So the hope there is that um, as process becomes more and more capable and as we sort of align Empire's tabulation methods a bit more to, I guess, computer-friendly methods, uh, that then a computer can basically handle the tabulation operation on its own. Um, and then the 2020 edition uh, is is what's currently in development. Um, we finally moved off Google Sheets so that the first three versions were all on Google Sheets, but now it's basically its own website that uh, can capture judge ballots remotely. So judges can enter their ballots in remotely. Um, it would do all of the result calculation and pairing automatically. Um, and it would uh, give teams and coaches like access to information like their round results, ballots, comments, um, and all that, all that fun stuff. Well, I think as someone that has seen the process in action, I can attest to the fact that it is, Certainly a sight to behold, but it, it is, I, I think that when I first looked at it, I was very like, what is going on? And the second I took 
another second, it was very clear to me uh, the way that the ballot is organized and everything. But it is really interesting to hear all this background, Viran, especially considering that everything's going online this year and the need for electronic tabbing is is becoming so great. Um, one thing I wanted to ask uh, Justin about, and this is really Justin or Viran, but I think it really mostly goes to Justin, and it comes back to something with the college world. Um, so you guys used to host the downtown in New York, and uh, obviously the last couple of years, you guys have no longer hosted that tournament. And I just wanted to ask, do you think that Empire would ever consider returning to the college mock trial world? And if so, and this is kind of my big plug, if so, would you ever consider writing your own case rather than using the AMTA one? And the, the angle that I'm trying to play here is basically, is as you may know, the one last time tournament just recently happened. And I think that it was a really cool experience for a lot of people to get to compete with people from other programs and not be constrained to the team they've been competing with for however long. And I'm kind of curious whether Empire would ever consider basically doing the same thing they do for high school, for college, where they have their own summer tournament that they host um, for college kids, though, instead of for high school kids. So what do you think, Justin? Great, great question, Drew. Um, <laughs> slightly leading. <laughs> I Slightly leading, and I had no idea this was coming. I mean, it's it's not like you may have, <laughs> it's not like we may or may not have talked about the downtown a little bit before the show, but it's it's okay. It's okay. Um, um, I loved hosting the downtown. Um, we became involved with the downtown from the very, very start. Um, we met some, some awesome people um, at the downtown. Obviously, I have a ton of, I personally have a lot of relationships in the college circuit, but there's also so much overlap between the high school and college circuit. As you know, Drew, you're, mm-hmm. you're a testament mm-hmm. to that. <laughs> to get back to your question, though, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I would never close the door on hosting another college invitational, but there are certainly, um, there are a lot of challenges to it. Um, we, we recently made the decision for the first time in five years to expand again, to, to open a program in a new site um, in Chicago. And the reason we did that is because Jason Stanford, who is the coach of the Niles West mock trial team, had experience running an invitational on the ground, knew what it was like to recruit judges and handle all the administrative tasks. And he submitted a really, just a wonderful proposal. So I think when we look at the possibility of expanding moving forward, whether it's in the high school or the college world, for us, the most important thing would be to have a strong partner on the ground. And, and that's, you know, we don't have a process for submitting a bid, a formal bid to host an empire competition. That's something we've talked about maybe in the future. Um, but it would, it would definitely, whether it's high school or college, require someone who is passionate on the ground and who has connections in the legal community because anyone who has hosted um, a mock trial competition before knows probably the hardest part is figuring out how to persuade volunteers to come out in large numbers to judge it's so funny sometimes i talk to mockers and they're like i don't get it like this is such a great tournament why are you having a hard time finding judges i'm like well you know i mean as you get older, it becomes, you know, it becomes so much harder to give up three hours, three and a half hours, four hours on, on a weekend, especially when we host Empire Atlanta in Georgia. If, if we uh, if we overlap with a dog's football game, 
Forget about it. Forget it. Forget about it. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's like good. Yeah, it's like good luck. They, someone said to me once, well, why did you host on a dog's football game? I said, well, our schedule comes out before the dog's football game. We, we have to... <laughs> right, they don't check with you. <laughs> they don't check with me. I know. We're, we're still <laughs> we're working on that. So, Drew, to answer your question, never say never. Uh, we are We are always listening for new opportunities that we think align with our mission. Yeah, I mean, I, we never got a chance to experience the downtown, but I've heard amazing things. And, and I think it would be fun if Empire got back into that world. But I'll just uh, sort of leave Drew's ideas, as, as I sometimes do on this podcast, I'll sort of leave Drew's ideas for Drew and, and you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But uh, before we finish up, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to both of you had to do with this new world that we're dealing with, with virtual mock trial. Obviously, you know, we've, we've talked a fair amount on this podcast about virtual mock trial and just sort of the last several months in the world and in the mock trial community. And I think it's definitely one of those things where, you know, if you'd said to me on Saturday night in March at the Lancaster Orcs that I was going to be, you know, prepping for an entirely virtual season, I don't, I don't know how much I would have believed you. But, you know, Justin, I'll start with you. And then, and then I want to talk to Viron about, about his thoughts. But you guys have started to uh, not started. I mean, you have entirely transitioned this upcoming season online. Similarly, AMTA has announced the same thing. Uh, and you've got sort of these two models that you've uh, built in, uh, Empire One, Empire at Home. Uh, so can you just real quick give us a sense of what Empire is doing this year to adapt to virtual mock trial and what you think are some of the unique challenges that are going to come with that process? Sure. It's, it's, it's a challenge for all of us. You know, it's a challenge for for any mock trial competition organizer. Uh, it's a challenge for the coaches and and for the students. What what can you do to ensure an experience that's educational but also fun, right? A lot, a lot of people participate in mock trial because it's it's just a lot of fun. You you leave you leave the trial and you're in, in you got adrenaline going and 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 you're smiling and you create great memories. So. We, we try to balance those two goals. I mean, what, what, what can we do to ensure that the students are, are learning, um, but, but also having fun? Um, in, in June, we announced it was just Empire Online at the time. We called it Empire Online. It's now known as, as Empire One. And it was our idea for a virtual mock trial program. We thought it would be, it would be ideal to try to mimic all aspects of an in-person competition, right, of a traditional competition, or I should say as many as, as you possibly can. So we thought, okay, what, what's what's great about mock trial, right? You have your team coming together in one courtroom, right? You have them working together. You have them collaborating in person, presenting their mock trial case. Okay, awesome. For us, one differentiator, one thing that makes our competition as special is our guest witness. So we thought, okay, well, We'll set the guest witness up and they can, you know, they can potentially stream their performance in, in a separate space. But the one virtual courtroom, as we call it, would, would consist of that one mock trial team, let's say the prosecution team streaming against the defense team in another courtroom. And our thought, and this is the, the general premise that has informed both of our competitions we wanted to ensure that what the judges, well, first, obviously, we wanted the students to have fun and learn. But then from the perspective of the judges, 
we wanted to ensure that that what they saw was apples to apples. That was really important to us. We wanted to ensure that what our judges were perceiving at home was the same when they were looking at the prosecution versus the defense. So as part of the Empire One model, we prescribed really specific directions for how to set up your virtual courtroom, where to position your counsel table, your witness stand, where you should present from in your virtual well, how you should set up your laptop, how you should set up your webcam. And then of course, one of the linchpins of the Empire One model is that we are providing a widescreen camera, a widescreen webcam that could capture the entire courtroom. And you know, we, we also realize that there are some mock trial teams that are very intense. And of course, some teams have more resources than others. So, you know, we, we suspected there would be a scenario where maybe one school would try to hire, you know, have a three camera 4K shoot with with a with a video operator, you know, going from camera to camera. So we thought by supplying one camera, one webcam for the primary VC, the primary virtual courtroom, and a separate camera, a smaller camera for that guest witness stand, we would be able to strike this balance of making sure the students are learning collaborating with one another, right? Having a good time because it feels like they're simulating kind of a courtroom experience, even if it, even if they're just presenting to their, their camera, um, while ensuring that our judges at home saw exactly the same thing. Because if you think about it as a tournament organizer, you know, what's our role, right? We would typically provide, of course, the case and, and a schedule and the judges, but we provide like the courtroom, right? We provide the, the the actual courthouse, the courtrooms, or the conference center. We would normally set up the council table, right? We would normally be we would normally control what the room looks like. So if we apply those same principles to the online atmosphere, we thought, okay, well, us giving instructions to teams, us letting teams know how they should set up their virtual courtroom and where their witness stand should be, and where their computer should be. That's that's just us fulfilling our responsibility as a competition organizer, you know, and, and, and that was a model that we really believe in and we still believe in. And I think will actually outlast the coronavirus. I, I think this is this could be a really useful model in the future. Um, but then and, and, you know, I'll, I'll wrap this up. We received email after email from you know from schools saying, hey, we're, we're not allowed to gather in the same room together. And we really need another solution. And that's where we went back to the drawing board and we came up with Empire at Home, which is a mock trial competition, a format that allows students to compete from the comfort of their own home. And once again, we prescribe specific instructions for how students should present in their virtual courtroom, how they should. It's, it's less detailed, of course, because it's a student at home presenting to you know their laptop, but we provide screenshots and diagrams showing them exactly how they should present in their um, in their virtual well or on their virtual witness stand. Because going back to that same you know kind of same logic we talked about, like what's our role as a as a competition organizer? I mean traditionally when we walk in in a Ben Drew, we walk into a, a courtroom, we know where the well is, right? We know where 
You know, we, we, we're aware of U.S. customs, trial customs. We're supposed to stand when speaking to a jury and stand when speaking to the judge, right? Those details are less clear in, in Zoom court, in virtual court. So, so we felt it was our responsibility to provide instructions for what customs in Imperion for presenting in virtual court look like. What do those cut? When do you stand? When do you sit? Um, how are you supposed to address the court? So that, that's that's what we did for the Empire at Home competition. So now our judges, just like in a normal courtroom, they can worry about the things as a, as a coach or as a student we want them to focus on, right? Case theme, case theory, uh, ability to make eye contact, um, gesturing with a purpose, right? All the stuff, witness credibility, witness portrayal, all the stuff we want them to worry about, not did this student like use his webcam properly? You know, he made the decision to stand. She made the decision to sit. How should I evaluate that when scoring? Well, that, that shouldn't be subjective. There should be customs. So that that's how we approach the Empire at Home model. And this year, we're going to announce our schedule on or about September 7th. And we are going to designate a competition as either an at-home as following either an at-home or Empire One model. Um, we were asked recently, could one team compete from home and another team compete you know, in the, in the Empire One model? And we, op- we ultimately decided going back to our, tradi- our original rationale, the apples to apples, that that's, that that's not possible. Um, we just, we, as much as we try to instruct judges, I just, I, I don't think it's possible to create a level playing field if you have one team presenting their case in that single courtroom versus six people at home. So we, we've, we've started surveying our teams and, and, and we've actually, I was reviewing the results before our, our call tonight. And yeah, it looks like there's a large chunk of teams interested in one. There's also a, a chunk of teams interested in the at-home model. And we're, we're going to host both of those programs this fall. There's, there's so much to unpack in there and it's, it's, I think what it really illustrates. And I, I've watched all of the videos that you all have put out and sort of read a lot of the things you've put out. And it's so interesting to watch organizations like yours and like AMTA and like, um, you know, trial by combat and Top Gun uh, sort of almost in real time, learn this and, and just sort of, uh, you know, move the train a little bit and, and, and sort of reorient ourselves, but in service of the same goals that you were describing. Um, uh, Verona, I'm sort of curious, uh, you know, your role with, with operations. Drew kind of mentioned this earlier, but it feels to me like process was already really useful. But now, you know, in a world where we're entirely virtual and nobody's going to be in a, in a room together, what do you think are the unique challenges that are going to come up and and the benefits that will come up from the system that you have and with your role uh, with operations and empire? Totally. I think um, I think there are really three questions we as we as empire wanted to answer when designing online programs. Um, and I think Justin's answered the first two already. The, the three questions really are, how do we get the best experience for students the second question is, how do we ensure the fairest experience for students? Um, and that's that sort of ties into the whole concept of apples to apples, um, Empire One versus Empire at Home, um, that whole thing about a uniform experience with Empire One. Um, and so those sort of strategic decisions have been aimed at really answering those questions of experience and fairness. And the third question is really about 
operational smoothness, uh, which is uh, where I've been focusing a lot of my work um, over the past the past few weeks and months. Um, without without wanting to sound like I'm bragging it too much here, um, process, as you mentioned, has been a, a really good aid for Empire on the tabulation side, um, and particularly in the sort of middle of this year, as we started making the decisions to go online, uh, process has really uh, has really sort of ramped up to be kind of an all-in-one system to manage the technical administration of of Empire's online competitions and just the running of trials in general. Um, so some examples that um, of, of ways that we're going to try and use process um, and, and the sort of digital system uh, to improve the experience and the smoothness of trials uh, is that we've integrated our process with Zoom. So uh, when a coach or a student logs into uh, into the system as themselves, and they're taken to their kind of personalized team home, uh, they will see basically just a single button that will connect them to the Zoom call for their courtroom. Our model is to have a different Zoom call for each courtroom. So rather than using breakout rooms under a common Zoom call, we would just have, you know, for 20 courtrooms, 20 simultaneous Zoom calls running at the same time. Um, and then each of those uh, Zoom call links would be basically tied to a venue. So courtroom 9A, rather than being a physical location, is now a Zoom link to a meeting named courtroom 9A. So to try and remove that complexity with navigating just the basics of getting to Zoom and getting to the the virtual place that you need to be, um, process has a pretty big role to play in that, um, in in getting teams to the right location and, and getting people where they need to be. Um, I think the second area where it's it's going to be particularly useful is in judge uh, management. So uh, one of the features that uh, we've put in for this year is an interactive ballot that judges can fill out as they go. So um, at each stage of the trial, they'll be asked to fill in scores and comments for, um, for each component of the trial and for each student. Um, and those scores are saved to the database and basically saved in real time as we go. That has the benefit of forcing judges to score as they go, but also just ensuring that we're capturing data at the at the right moments. Um, and we're also doing some work to try and to try and I guess propagate information. So, uh, for example, we require teams to fill out their roster before each trial. That is then pushed automatically to the judge's ballot, so the judge can see that the opening attorney's name is Varun. Uh, Varun's pronouns are he or they, and then the judge can use that information uh, to to conduct the trial in a way that is uh, respectful and that is obviously as smooth as it can possibly be. So that judge management piece, I think, is also going to be quite useful, uh, particularly with regard to the remote entry piece. Um, And the final area I think it's quite helpful in is, as I touched on before, the kind of information propagation. So uh, there's obviously a lot of information to contend with at a mock trial tournament. Um, And in lieu of a physical tab room where you could see a pairings board Uh, where you could see ballots, you could see tab cards. Uh, We really wanted to have some kind of centralized virtual hub where people could come to basically have their questions answered. So where's my trial for the next round? How did I go in the previous round? Just what what can I know about the tournament? Um, And process now being its own kind of web app and website uh, basically is is trying to serve that role. So coaches, students, staff can go to that one area, um, view all the information they could possibly want to know, 
Um, and then obviously we have, you know, humans around who can answer questions uh, and who can provide more information. But in lieu of that physical environment, um, our hope is that process will um, will serve as the sort of informational hub for people um, as much as as much as possible. That I I just love all of that. Like I, I'm my my true nerd side is coming out here, but I <laughs> like. I think that's so cool. And I think it, I, I look, I am not trying to, uh, you know, look on the bright side of, of this terrible situation that the world is in, but in terms of our community specifically, it seems to me like some of these innovations were probably kind of overdue and I'm excited to see, you know, how that, can change how we do things moving forward and how eventually, you know, hopefully we'll all be able to gather in the same place again. But, you know, even when we do that system that you just mentioned and that, that you've put together will still exist and presumably will be able to function similarly to how it does virtually. Um, wh what do you think really quick, just as someone who did this as a competitor, um, you know, I mean, you've, you've, uh, worked with Justin and, and you heard sort of the descriptions he was giving. So what do you think about how Empire is doing things in terms of virtual mock trial and just how that's going to affect people who get to do this activity? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think uh, the way I think about a lot of a lot of what has happened with regards to things moving online during during this situation is that it's forcing us to to really answer questions and conduct experiments and and make advances that we all kind of knew that we would want to make but had been hesitant to do for a while. Um, so, for example, uh, my university classes have moved pretty much all online, um, and that's an experiment that I, I would imagine they were hesitant to do but knew they would have to kind of contend with at some point. Um, and I think the, the online mock trial, the online debate space, because I also have a, a debate background, uh, these sorts of exper these experiments and programs that have become necessary in a time in a time of COVID, I think, uh, are, are really promising steps towards access. Um, one of the one of the elements that I think um, that I think is is really important uh, both to me, me personally, but also to Empire, um, is is the idea of accessibility to these programs and to the activity of mock trial in general. Um, Things like, uh, for example, Empire offering need-based scholarships to physical programs um, and, and trying to offer uh, customizations of their various competitions that are a little bit more accessible and geared towards teams that may not otherwise have had the opportunity to compete. I think that's a really, a really important um, goal that we should, that, that we ought to strive for as a community and also as an organization. Um, and my, my sincere hope is that the, the experiments that we're conducting now and the programs that we will have in place um, once we come out the other side of this, will, as Justin alluded to before, outlast the coronavirus. Um, and so, you know, maybe we have an ongoing online program that is accessible to everyone and has a much lower barrier to entry, both financially and just in sort of general resource and maybe time resources as well. Um, so, so I think the work that the work that Empire and and Amta and everyone really in the community is doing to bring this online uh, really speaks to both their passion for accommodating and ensuring some sort of continuity during what is a very uncertain time, but I think is also a really excellent um, activity and an excellent pursuit that will, uh, that will have benefits with regards to accessibility and participation for many, many years to come. 
You know, Viran, one of the things that I, I've been thinking about through hearing this conversation is that you mentioned earlier the way you guys were going to use uh, different breakout rooms for each of the trials. I wonder if there's ever a world in which we could do something kind of cool where even within each trial room, you could, you know, take breakout rooms for each individual team or even, I mean, uh, is there a way to maybe like certain things that you want to, to, for guest witnesses for them to not hear? I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I think that there's this interesting world of with Zoom, we have this breakout room function that I think is a pretty cool thing. And if, because Empire has that blue shirt in there that can kind of control all of them, it gives you guys this flexibility to use them, in my opinion, in some really interesting ways. So I guess I'm wondering, have you guys thought about that at all? Like, has there been any consideration of what you can do with breakout rooms? Um, and do you guys think you see any applications further for them? Definitely. I think the, the thing to note up front is with, with the, the model of a different Zoom call for each trial is that uh, is that there is a, a significant financial cost associated with that because uh, Zoom Zoom requires that you buy a certain number of hosts where like if you have X number of hosts, you can host X number of Zoom calls simultaneously. Um, and so there is an investment that you would have to make to, to emulate this empire model of a call for each trial. Um, and and that's where I think the breakout room functionality can really come in handy for, for for competitions that don't decide to use that route, because obviously then you can you can sort of centralize everything into maybe one or two Zoom calls uh, and use breakout rooms uh, in in a much more rigorous manner to get trials going. Uh, with respect to how Empire is using it, we've definitely given some thought to the guest witness piece, given there are um, there, there's a lot to to navigate there with, you know, getting guest witnesses to the right rooms and getting them to prepare with their attorneys. Um, our, our approach with Empire at Home certainly is to use a breakout room for uh, for the guest witness and their, their directing attorney because those two individuals will be dialing in as two separate calls. So we can very easily silo off those calls. Um, I think it becomes a bit more complicated with Empire One mainly because basically the entire team is in the one place. So... The, the breakout room functionality, I think, would still make sense for, you know, maybe the guest witness and the the call representing the entire team that's directing them being siloed off into the one breakout room. Um, I think the, the breakout room functionality truly shines with the Empire at Home program. Um, but as you mentioned, Drew, it's a very capable system that could be that could be applied to both Empire One, but also other programs that, you know, maybe choose to structure their Zoom a little bit differently. Justin, I have one more sort of logistics of virtual mock trial question for you before we wrap up. And I think this has been really just illuminating. And, and I love having these conversations with people who are, you know, involved in building these systems, because I think it's really a learning experience for all of us. Um, you probably saw Amta release guidance just a couple of days before we're recording this, that the time limits are going to be reduced for this upcoming season. They're going to be cut down to 12 minutes total between opening and closing and 38 minutes total for directs and crosses. And you have some uh, leeway in how you allocate that in directs and crosses. So I was wondering um, sort of a two-parter, which is, is Empire considering any sort of similar modification uh, of reducing time limits or making changes to, to structure uh, just because of the nature of the format? And then along those lines, what are your thoughts on some of the challenges that come with 
uh, judging in this format, whether it comes to the fatigue of looking at a computer for a long time or competitor fatigue, uh, working with a computer for a long time, and how we as as tournament hosts and as tournament organizers can try to uh, sort of keep those things in mind as we adjust to these circumstances. That's a, that that's a great question that has some well great questions and we've 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 certainly yeah I mean you because you you hit on some real challenges to to hosting an online competition. Um, f- I'll start with the timing piece. We we certainly considered whether we should not only cut timing but cut our case. You know that was that was definitely a discussion. I, I think. When we were in the middle of producing our case, it still wasn't clear whether we would be hosting an in-person competition or if we would be entirely online yet. We made the decision to move forward with our case as is. When we made the decision, um, we also decided that, you know what, this is the first time we've ever hosted an online competition. And we've done things in the past and we've screwed them up. <laughs> you know, we've messed them up. The guest witness program, when we rolled it out, I mean, we butchered it for a year. I mean, we, we definitely, we made lots of mistakes in the past, but in this instance, we said, let's, you know, let's not deprive our students who have been waiting months and months and months for mock trial, right? So many of our students had their state competitions actually canceled. So let's not deprive our students of a full mock trial round. And after our first competition with regular time limits, we will poll judges, we'll survey them. And our judges may say, hey, we hated this. It was too long. We fell asleep. And then we'll make a change. But for now, we're going we're gonna to move full steam ahead with our time limits uh, as is and learn from the experience. So that's the first piece. The, the second question about biggest challenges. So I've, I've actually had the opportunity to judge at two competitions that were online. One is like the top mock. Top Mock, the Furman University camp, which is an, an awesome camp for high school students, a summer camp. And then there was also another like online competition that was held for high school students in, in May, which is also you know, an, a very well-run program. So I judged and it was a very illuminating experience because I saw how challenging it was. And I think this is going to be really difficult and we have to talk to judges about this. You know, how do you watch the trial take place, right? And give it your all and pay attention while also scoring and commenting when you can be doing so on the same device. So I think we have to deal with this in, in one of two ways. I think, you know, what we're going to tell our judges is that yes, you score as you go, um, but we are going to give you a very clear time to score. And that's after your examination is done. And, and at that time, and, and because of process and the way Veron set it up, the digital ballot allows you to go step-by-step step in the trial. So you input your score, you type up your comments, you click next on the browser, and then you move on to the next page. And that's, that's, that's brilliant. And we, we really, we wanted to ensure that we weren't confusing our judges and that they did score as they went. And I didn't want the problem to happen with, and, and this isn't the organizer's fault. This is just the challenge of, of judging at a virtual mock trial competition. If you think about it, when I am in a competition, right, if I'm in a jury box and I'm judging or if I'm presiding, if I look down for a minute, 
to, to write down a comment or a score, I'm not leaving the courtroom, right? Like I'm not exiting the courtroom, but in some ways in the online context, if I go to another tab to open process or whatever ballot I'm using, I'm like leaving the courtroom. There's no looking up and like seeing the student perform. I mean, sure, you can switch over to your other tab, but there's a chance, you know, I think you can make an argument that you're, you're kind of leaving the courtroom in that moment. And I think emphasizing the judges that we don't want you, we can't have you leaving the courtroom at any moment. We really don't want you to leave the courtroom. We're going to give you time to score at the end of your examination. While the rounds may last a little bit longer, I still think that's really, really crucial. And I actually think it's the main point that Veron and I debated. Um, we debated what should we do about this digital context? I mean, we, we debated being really extra. Like what if, what if we mail a physical ballot to a judge? What if we mail a comment sheet? Maybe the Veron said process can accept PDF comments. I said, you know, do we really want to be concerned with judges uploading PDF comments? I mean, we have <laughs> judges sometimes struggle to write 14 scores or 16 scores on a ballot. We're going to, we're going to start asking them to attach PDF files of, uh, of ballots. So, you know, ultimately, I think in our first iteration of Empire Online, we're going to try to emphasize, number one, if you have the, if you have the benefit of having a tablet and a computer, or, you know, obviously a smartphone and a computer, and you feel comfortable typing comments on your smartphone, like break out your phone and, and use that as your scoring device. So you can always have the trial on your computer and you could always focus on the trial on your computer. You're always in your quote unquote virtual courtroom, but you can score on a separate device, but we will never mandate that they need a second device. So if you're going to have that, if you're going to have that ballot open in a separate tab, that's fine, but please wait until the end, wait until the end and put your scores and your comments. Um, you know, even if that involves you taking out a legal pad and jotting down a couple of notes in live time on it, like we want you to stay in the trial. Um, and the last thing from a judging perspective, as I'll say, both competitions that I judged at allowed the scoring jurors to shut their camera off. I think that's a no-no. I think the scoring juror has to keep their camera on. It's I, I, I'm a mock trial, right? Junkie. I've done mock trial forever. It's easy when your camera is off to not pay, you know, as, as close attention. It, it just, it really is. I think it's human nature. Um, the camera on means the student, if they want, can see the juror in gallery mode, um, which could be helpful and simulate a trial atmosphere. Um, and it also subconscious, subconsciously or consciously pushes the juror to really focus and be engaged with the trial in a way that, of course, the presider is going to be. But I mean... I'm sure all of us have been in mock trial rounds where like a juror falls asleep or something, right? I mean, and that's like in a, in a physical and in, in, in like a normal competition setting. I think, you know, in a, in a competition setting where someone's a juror, I think we have to, you know, respectfully and transparently say, hey, like, you know, if you, if you don't want to keep your camera on for three hours, like you don't have to, but then you don't have to serve as a juror at the competition. You know what I mean? And like, we're just, you know, it's okay if you, you know, if you don't volunteer this year, but I think that's really important. So I'll let Veron, you know, I know that was a, there was a lot more I could say about the student and coach perspective, but I thought the judging piece was the most important to address because I think the judges are people that aren't as invested in mock trial, right? Like they're not the coaches or students, they're volunteering their time. And I think making sure that you're creating very clear instructions for them is, is a really crucial part of this.
that's that's super interesting and i want to follow up on one thing really quick before we we wrap up uh that last that very last thing you were saying about scoring judges keeping their cameras on um i i think you're right about want i mean it changes so much when you can't see the scoring judges how do you just from a pure infrastructure standpoint how do you balance that i mean the 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 I, I won't call it a norm yet because I think it's a little too early, but I think what's becoming a bit of a convention is that four panel setup that I feel like when, when I coached at trial by combat, that's what they used when I judged it one last time, that's what they used, you know, and that is really only achievable if you have, you know, the, all the scoring judges cameras off. So how do you balance the infrastructure of as clean of a setup visually as possible with what you were just saying, with making sure that the scoring judges stay engaged and like that you can view them sort of the way that you would view presenting to a jury. So just to clarify your question, the concern is if all of the judges kept their camera on and then in Zoom, you put the gallery view on, you would be seeing your four judges and the other team. Yeah, because at least the competitions that I've been a part of so far as a coach or a judge have instructed during during statements you're supposed to have speaker view on but during examinations so that you can see so it's not bouncing back and forth and you can see everyone at one time we've been told to use gallery view and you get just four panels where you just get the presider both attorneys director and crosser and the witness at the same i think it's very much a balancing act i i I really do there's no there's no easy answer to the question um, whether you use speaker view or gallery view, there are certainly deficiencies to, to both approaches and there, there are pros to both approaches. I think, you know, if I'm a, I, I would take a step back and say, if I'm a student or I'm a coach and I ask myself, what's most important to me? I would say what's most important to me is ensuring that the, that the individuals that are evaluating me, that are putting scores into the computer or on the physical ballot, that those are engaged, that those individuals are engaged. I think that's most important. And I just think, and I'm not saying anyone who sort of dozes off or isn't as focused, they're not, no one is a bad person. It it is a, you know, it's certainly a challenging um, exercise, especially for the first time that, you know, many people will be doing this. Um, But I think it makes it more likely, you know, it makes it more probable that your juror is engaged if their if their camera is on. I mean, they could be, you know, arguably like texting um, and and you know not paying attention. And if you think about it too, our blue shirt, and we have the benefit of having our blue shirt at our courtroom liaison, who's in that round also monitoring it. So if you have a juror that's texting, it's not like focused or paying attention, I mean, we could have our blue shirt contact tab. And we could be trying to troubleshoot an issue before it becomes a major issue. Um, we're also, and, and there's so much to cover about the online format. One thing we didn't talk about is that each of our rounds will have um, a scoring judge, of course. We'll have our, our scoring judges, for sure, if we have two or three ballots per round. But we're also requiring like a backup ballot, so a ballot that's not going to count. In case there's a technological malfunction, we have an extra ballot that can be used and counted for, for, you know, for our trial experience, for our tabulation. So, you know, bringing it back to this example of a judge texting and not paying attention, you know, our blue shirt can report that the tab. And if the t- you know if tab comes in and observes this ju- this juror not paying attention, you know, we could discard their ballot, you know, frankly, without them even knowing. So 
I, I, I would say overall, I think in weighing the, the factors, the, the student experience versus the student visual experience versus ensuring that your judges are actually in tune with you and, and, and paying attention. Um, I, I think the balance, the scales tip slightly in favor of keeping all cameras on uh, throughout the, the trial. Personally, it's just subjective. Well, that's that raised a lot of interesting thoughts in my mind and things that I'm sure Drew and I will will discuss in future episodes and will be questions that all of this community continues to discuss. Uh, but most importantly, I just want to thank both of you for your time. This was just a super interesting discussion. I mean, you both have such fascinating and really cool mock trial backgrounds and you do amazing work with Empire, just really revolutionary work with Empire. And it was really just a joy to get to talk to both of you about the work that you do and the work that you're doing to prepare for this upcoming season. So Justin, Veron, thank you both so much for joining us. It was great to have both of you on. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you for hosting such an awesome, awesome podcast. Thank you. We appreciate that. It's it's a lot of fun for us to do. And, and it's most fun when we get to have conversations like this. So thank you both for coming. Thank you to everybody who's listening. Drew and I know that the AMTA case is coming out in just a couple of days. And I assure you, we have episodes lined up and ready to go to cover it. So we'll be back in your feed very soon. Until then, this has been the Mock Review. Ben, 